This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Forever. I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a brain now I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man I don't know what that even means Now I just want you in my arms again And we can search each other's dreams What's up, Three Bees? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of Three Swings. This is her podcast. It's a podcast about uh, baseball and other things. Um, I'm glad you're here. Thanks so much for listening. If you were in Toronto or San Francisco at either of those shows, thank you so much for coming. Special shout out to friend of the show, Stacey Mae Fowles, who is at one of the shows in Toronto. Um, if you haven't checked out Stacey's wonderful book, Baseball Life Advice, please check that out now. And also, um, she's a, a, a friend of the show. I can't wait to have her back on. Um, just very cool. It was great to be in both of those places. Got to experience some cold weather, even though Everyone who's listening from Toronto is going to tell me it wasn't cold, and I understand that. Um, But to me, it was cold at the time, and it could have been colder, and I'm grateful it wasn't. Um, Today, I'm doing the podcast from a piece of paper instead of a computer screen. Just giving that a shot, you know, just want to see what's different, what shows up there. Um, Just telling you guys, because I don't know, I think it's interesting. Um, there was, uh, like a baseball writers association thing recently. Also, um, I think that's maybe not in the, our notes, but, uh, yeah, not in our notes. Um, (laughs) Derek Jeter was nominated to the hall of fame, almost unanimous. There was one single voter who didn't vote him in. Um, and, uh, also we get Larry Walker, which, uh, if anybody's my age, Larry Walker, you know, Um, but the Derek Jeter thing was pretty funny. It was pretty wild to see. I mean, not funny, like uh, hilarious. I just mean, um, I, here it goes again. You know, it's like the Griffey thing. Um, so I guess, I guess here's what, here's what the way I look at it in retrospect. Now, grateful that it isn't only Griffey that missed out on it, you know? Um, but also like, I guess here's the thing who cares. They're both really great and they mean a lot to a lot of people. And, you know, um, the director of Honey Boy, uh, whose name I, I don't have in front of me, um, she she directed as a wonderful. I thought her direction was amazing. Um, not nominated for anything, and um, you know she took to Twitter like a bunch of weeks ago and essentially said, you know, uh, 
like this is not where we will find our success or where we will be rewarded these awards shows and things and and i think that's important that even when you are rewarded like i think i think to be in the hall of fame like i'll clearly never know what that's like but some days i got to remember i'm already in the hall of fame you know like in my own hall of like you have to be where you are and like whether it's unanimous or not you got voted into this thing that you dreamed about as a kid you got to play this thing that you dreamed of as a kid and you ended up doing it really well. So I think I've spent a lot of time in my life being very cynical of every single thing. And, um, I think it's important to like pay attention and not, you know, walk around life, just staring at the clouds. But, um, I I think that I, uh, I, I was doing the opposite, which is I was only looking for the bad in everything. And, um, it's just not a great way to live. And I, I was going to start this podcast by being honest with you guys about how angry I am today. And it's not even about anything in particular. It's just like a, a cascade of a few things lining up and me starting to just like look for the bad stuff. Um, t- to the point of, I, w- I want to go tell my neighbor to move some shit in my yard because I'm annoyed by it. And like, yeah, I don't know that I need to go tell that person to do that. Cause like. I don't need to walk around it right now. So I probably don't need to go bang on his door and be like, could you move this? Cause I don't like it. <laughs> I can just sit here and be like, I don't like it. And I can tell a podcast audience, I don't like it. Um, but it's better than, you know, being potentially rude to somebody who's pretty nice to me. So kind of that, that's what I'm thinking about. Um, Oh, the, what I was trying to get into, <laughs> you guys, you guys love my tangents. That's why you're here. Uh, there was a, a baseball writers association dinner and I happened to see, I, I also, let's get into another tangent into this. I will get to the writers association association thing. Want to talk about Jeter and Walker first, and then we'll get into it. Um, I saw a quote on Twitter that was, I'll skip the tangent. I'll put it in the right order. It said something about like Jerry Seinfeld making some quote about baseball that like baseball is the lens through which, you know, like baseball and life are intertwined that like you live life through baseball and life lives through baseball or something like that. And somebody was like, Oh, it's the most eloquent thing I've ever heard. And I was so mad. Cause I was like, I've literally said this every week on my podcast basically, but it's cool that somebody's saying it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, I, I guess I just like, I want to have this, like, I don't want to have a stranglehold on baseball. Like, I don't want to be the person that's known for knowing everything. Cause then you have to know everything. I've never wanted to be like the know-it-all of baseball. I've only ever wanted to participate in it, but sometimes you feel like overlooked and you are. Cause like not everybody can be seen all the time. And I love baseball because it makes me feel something and I, I feel baseball. I don't know it. I know it because I feel it, but I don't know it period. Um, then the tangent I was going to go on before was I'm really working to spend less time on social media. This is a thing people talk about constantly. I think it's important. It's uh, a powerful thing. It's, 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 uh, it just is. If you're rolling your eyes right now, 
you're probably wrong. I mean, it's like, it's more powerful than television. Most of us were not around when television started. So we don't know what it was like to watch that roll out. We don't know what it was like to watch radios roll out, but we do know what it's like to watch social media. And I would say, I'm not going to roll my eyes at the thing because it's clearly take, it's, it's taking up as much space as any of those things. Um, and I think it began to take up way too much space in my life without me even, it's so insidious, you know, but it's also completely up to the person how much they participate with it. I mean, it's just like, um, cigarettes or alcohol or food or anything. It's like, you know, we, we, uh, manufacture these things and then you just put it out into the world and you create demand, you know, you, you tell people there's a demand for it and then it becomes overused by people. And then you go, well, it's your own damn fault. And it's like, I don't know. So anyway, I just, um, I was in Toronto, you know, by myself and I, I was spending so much time on the internet cause I was bored and I didn't bring a book with me. And so, that's my thing to share with you guys is bring a book everywhere you go. <laughs> Cause like, I've just been finding that if, if I pick up a book instead of a, my phone, my life is, my day is considerably better. Not because I'm like, Oh, I'm so it's just like, I'm just not paying attention to that because I've found that like, if, if I, if I'm on my phone too long, something will be shown to me that I don't want to see, whether it's like, you know, competition with other people or somebody that makes me sad or like some bullshit. And it's like, these are what I'm, what I'm beginning to learn about safe social media usage is that those things are red flags to go, Hey, this is not a safe place for you right now. Go somewhere else. Um, and like, what's great is the days when I get on it and I get off without seeing one of those things, pretty fantastic. Um, and then the days that I do, I try to just go like, okay, so there you go. You stayed on it longer than you knew you should have. And like, I set timers, like little 10 minute timers. And I know that I'm like cheating because I, I will look at the clock and be like, all right, you got 10 minutes and I don't set a timer. And so I don't pay attention to the clock. And then I'm on for longer than 10 minutes. And sometimes it's 15, but it's longer than I intended. And <laughs> that just feels bad. You know, like setting boundaries for myself makes me feel, you know, it makes, it makes me feel better. And like, I'm taking care of myself and I'm listening to myself and trusting myself. And I think those things are important, especially on the internet, because for me, at least, it's almost like the thing is designed to not make you feel good. You know, it, it's designed to make you feel good. And then it turned around. You know, um, for me, Twitter has become the externalization of the conversations I so often have inside my own head, um, with people that aren't in the room, you know? Um, and then you get rewarded for that because you put it out and then people think it's funny or they like it or they agree. And you're like, oh yeah, okay. All right. And then I'm not doing things like talking to actual human beings or walking around or doing my dishes or doing the work that I really need to do or something like that. And, um, and I'm unable to make decisions and I, and I go on the internet instead of like making simple decisions that freak me out. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I spent a bunch of time on the internet and I somehow successfully wrote out two major like internet. Well, one was uh, mostly an internet story 
Um, and then the other one was not. It was um, international news. Which is also interesting. If you spend enough time getting out of the internet, you can see how much the internet really only exists on the internet. Um, and like, I used to be a person who thought and perhaps expressed um, that, you know, oh, the, 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 the person running the country spends all this time on Twitter and it's rotting his brain. Like I've seen people say that. I don't think I've said that because it's, it's a pretty intense thing to say, but I've, I've seen people say it. I've read it and been like, huh. And thought about it and been like, yeah, sitting on Twitter and, and TV and stuff like that is not good for anybody, you know, and being like, yeah, they're right. He is, it is. And then I stopped one day and realized like, but if I'm on it as much as that guy is, how, how is it not affecting me? <laughs> you know? And like, I had to realize like, oh, it definitely is. I'm not in control of the way this thing is affecting me. And, um, so I just pass that along to you guys who are listening that like, perhaps you're not in control of the way something is affecting you and stepping away from it more than you think you need or in a, in a, in a, in a more, not rigid, but like boundaried way of like timing and interaction and stuff. Um, is healthier. And, and I've found that my life is better and there's nothing that a tweet by me is going to be changed. You know, I, I don't know. There's, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what we, I just want the cheese and the cheese is not going to do it. So this is all like a long way of saying that, like, I, you know, the, the world, the earth, anytime, um, s- s- I didn't like practice what I was going to say. And oftentimes I save my thoughts and talking about things for the podcast because I'm able to talk them out and I'm able to say them with my actual voice um, as opposed to saying them with my, um, with my texting or whatever, you know, which has no tone and which has no understanding. So there was a helicopter crash this past Sunday, uh, which killed nine people. Um, some of whom were, uh, a baseball coach named John Altobelli and his wife, Carrie Altobelli and their daughter, Alyssa Altobelli. Um, and they were known as the first family of Orange Coast College. Um, and they're survived by, uh, three more children, I believe. No, to Alexis and son JJ. Um, he he was he he, he was a, a baseball coach, very involved in baseball. Worked in uh, major leagues. Was uh, you know uh, hands on with a lot of players. Um, and then also uh, Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi uh, were also killed. There, uh, it's it's a sad, inexplic- inexplicable thing, you know. Um, Yes, you see helicopter and you think, well, those are you're taking huge risks. But um it's it the, that was a lot of people, you know, every everyone on the helicopter died. Um and you know, you, when you look at the names of the victims, it's it's a lot of couplings of of either uh partners or um father and son, father and daughter, 
uh, mother, daughter. Um, it, so it's just a, especially it's, it's never not sad when, when people die in a way that, that feels preventable. Um, so directly preventable, but, uh, to see that, you know, to each of a name in something like that is just, it, it is a, a powerful thing. Um, and you know, the internet really lit up in ways that was really disgusting, you know, uh, just in a lot of ways, like people trying to get jokes in and stuff and, um, also trying to get the word out first, like somebody would get the big scoop, I guess. And like, it was a good reminder of how, like how ghoulish the internet can be and how, how, how removed from actual humanity it really is. Um, like I was saying, like the conversations that are being had on the internet are like conversations that you're having with somebody that exists only in your head. And also it's not people, it's text messages speaking at each other, which leads me back to why I'm talking about this on here, because I mean, number one, everybody that listens to this podcast wants to hear me talk about something. Um, and so I'm grateful for you wanting to hear the things that I say. I don't know if you want me to talk about this specific thing. I don't believe that, but something, something in this show you like, and so you're here for a reason. And so I usually share the more difficult things on here than on Twitter, because that's not what Twitter is for. Um, at least in my, in my life anymore. Um, and I just think there's a lot to understand, you know, and there's a lot that, that people can never understand. You can never understand. Um, the meaning of life is not to understand all of it. The meaning of life is to live it and to love one another throughout the whole thing, even when it's the hardest thing to do, especially when it's the hardest thing to do. And that is what I saw missing from Twitter and realized that, oh, it's like, it's, it's there. People love each other on there. People send nice things to each other. Um, I try to do only that, uh, if I can, I don't always succeed at it, but that is what it taught me. And it's not that, you know, not everything is like for teaching me, but we all have to learn from everything all the time. Everything happens for a reason. So what is the reason? I don't know yet the reason for me so far has been, Oh, you, we have to accept each other and love each other. And, um, trying to fit into what everybody thinks is the right thing or the wrong thing. It's screaming at each other about this and that. And the other thing is, is truly not it. It is truly not it. Um, but I will say that I, I, my heart is broken for a moment, you know, um, more than a moment, but like my, my heart breaks for what Gigi Bryant meant to the future of sports, you know? Um, I mean, there's part of me that, that looks at it and goes, well, I didn't even know that she played basketball and I'm like this, you know, whatever quote woke <laughs> sports thing outside of the, you know, screaming about problems or whatever. And like, I didn't even realize, you know, I didn't realize. And there's a reason why I didn't realize because I didn't pay attention to that guy, you know, and because I didn't pay attention to that guy because that guy had a past, I did, I missed what his daughter was doing. And I, I mourn the opportunity for healing around sports 
that I now see as a potential, you know, as one of those things, you know, uh, talking about the arc of time bending towards justice. And you see that it is not about, it is not about by force. You do not bend something immediately. It bends over time, the arc of time bending towards justice. And you see that repairing things doesn't happen in an instant and it doesn't happen in a day and it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. And I see that 13 year old girl playing basketball with an NBA dad. And I realize how rare that is and how rare it is for that NBA dad to be the NBA dad that he was. And the way the things that he was saying about his daughter um, were really important, you know, and I, um, I, I'm, I'm mourning the loss of that. I'm mourning the loss of all of it, what it meant for us to struggle with it and for us to discuss it and for us to comprehend and perhaps be in awe of what could have been with Gigi Bryant as a college star, as a, as a WNBA star, um, the potential of that and the the repetition of if you can play, you can play from someone who is a hero to many men who don't believe that. Um, it, it, I I do mourn the loss of that. I do. Uh, and I think that I doubt that anybody that needs to hear this is listening because I feel like everybody that's listening maybe knows this, but I'll say it anyway. You know, people are saying like, oh, everybody, you know, got to, you got to win a trophy for him, for his legacy. And I don't know. I don't know the answer, but to me, fearlessly and relentlessly and openly and compassionately supporting women's sports and equality in sports, period, would be a much better way of, of, of supporting or honoring anybody's legacy than a stupid trophy, you know? And I, you know, we talk all like I used to rail on people like, what even is the phrase anymore? I can't remember of like, you know, giving out trophies for to everybody everybody gets a trophy and it's like, well, why do we give a shit about trophies so much? You know? What's important about this? Um Yeah, I mean, I guess that's all I've got to say. There's a there's a lot there, and I, I feel like the the thing is to get into it is to misunderstand it. And so I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't know everything. I don't, I don't, I don't know, you know? And so, but I do know that, that I, that I, I can be specific in mourning the loss of that young person and mourning the loss of her potential uh, and also just mourning the loss of any life, regardless of potential, because that is not as, you know, not the important thing. Um, it is sad to lose anyone. Everyone's life is important. Um, everyone's life matters. So I don't, I, I hope that no one thinks, I think her life is more, I just mean the, the, the things you can see potentially happening, it's just sad to lose. And so I hope that there are, Something will fill that. Some there's no there's no voids, you know. So, 
I do I do have hope for that, but it it is it does make me sad. Out of all of this, it does make me incredibly sad for what what could have been. Um, but we'll be right back after this with some baseball news. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks so much for listening to those ads. I really appreciate when, when you listen and when you buy those things. Um, also, if you can't, I totally understand. Um, and just a heads up, we're working on some Patreon ideas. So if you have requests, thoughts, anything like that, feel free to send them over, um, DM them. And also, like, let me know what you thought about the live. I That was my first time doing it, and I was also on location. So <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Um, and also just like, if you're a person that wants to come to the live and check that out, um, I'm doing Instagram lives on the off weeks of the show on Fridays at noon PST and, uh, then at three Eastern time, which I will have to say, we're going to have to move that one to Thursday next week because I will be out of town that Friday. So heads up for that. It'll be Thursday next week. Um, and you can also come to those with questions that aren't just baseball, I'm totally down to talk about things that are not 100% baseball. Um, so the big news of the week of 127-2020 is on Wednesday, the Houston Astros owner Jim Crane announced that the team had hired Dusty Baker as their new manager. The deal is for one year and includes a team option for the 2021 season. Baker will be formally introduced by the team at Minute Maid Park on Thursday. So it's one year and a team option for 2021. I feel like AJ Hinch might be back on board, but who knows? Whatever. Um, I don't trust Jim Crane as far as I can throw him, and I'm a little bit cynical on the Astros at this point in my life. Uh, Baker, 70 years old, becomes the oldest manager in men's baseball. The three-time NL manager of the year last managed the Washington Nationals in 2017. He ranks 15th in career wins with a... 1,863 to 1,636 record over 22 seasons and guided the San Francisco Giants to the National League pennant in 2002. Baker will replace A.J. Hinch, who was fired along with general manager manager Jeff Lunau on January 13th following Major League Baseball's findings that the team illicitly used electronics to steal signs during its run to the 2017 World Series Championship and again during the 2018 season. Uh, that's, I'm realizing, like, uh, did they not check out 2019? Because they definitely used it in 2019. Um, bench coach Brett wants to know what I think of his hiring, what message are the Astros sending, if any, about the direction of their team going forward. I mean, I I, I am very cynical of this uh, organization, um, and it's just based on a lot of things. It's not just like that I'm mad at them or something. Um, there was a, a snippet going around of like, I guess the Astros were being investigated in 2000 by some sort of like labor investigator, you know, or whatever in 2000 that Jim Crane said some incredibly like 
<laughs> bigoted things, you know? Like, I mean, I guess they're not bigoted because he wasn't using slurs, but he was saying things, you know, don't hire black people because you'll have to keep them forever and, like, some incredibly, like, unfortunate at the very least, but, like, pretty bad stuff to say if you're a CEO, you know, pretty um, discriminatory is the word I'm looking for. Things to say about who you hire. Basically saying, like, no women, no Mexicans, like, using those kinds of words. And, like, so I just, look, people can change. They really can. But when you look at the behavior and the the, the things seeping out of a place, and then you see in t- 2000, which was 20 years ago, but in baseball 20 years ago is not that long. He's still the same owner. And... I just don't like how many women do you see working for the Astros? How many, I mean, they've got, you know, Latino players, but they don't have like, I mean, when I see guys in Astros polos, they're white guys. So, you know, I mean, I've never seen a picture of their whole front office, but I watch games. I see they, they shoot into the suites and stuff. So then you see, he's saying that. And then you look at the actual people working and you're like, well, okay. I mean, I think regardless, whoever they were going to pick was going to be somebody that they're just willing to throw on the... Like, he is going to have to deal with so much shit, and it's not even his problem. But, I mean, Dusty Baker is anti-analytics. He's all these... He's old school. He's one of the, what, two black managers in baseball now? I mean, I, I I really try not to be too cynical. He's also, like, an incredible manager... And also people think he's terrible. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I think I, I wouldn't want this job for a lot of reasons, but it's a tough job. And so I think whoever was going to get it is going to be getting thrown on the fire. But I think especially Dusty Baker will be getting thrown on the fire. And I mean, I think the Astros are trying to send this like we're baseball and look at us hiring this guy and, you know, a tried and true manager. We're not giving it to some young guy to watch him crash and burn. I don't know. And also like going to somebody who's anti analytics so they can just pretend they don't do these things anymore. I mean, Justin Verlander was joking about it at the writers association thing I was talking about earlier in the intro. So they have not lost their smugness. They feel as though they've gotten away with it. Um, you know, they're, they're all pretty silent on the internet now. I mean, Alex Bregman used to troll Trevor Bauer back and forth. They would both troll each other. And like his last tweet is about like selling a, like going down to a car lot or like head on down to Gulf Coast Ford. It's all pretty laughable, you know, um, and pretty obvious, like everything that they're doing. And also, uh, somebody in my baseball league pointed out, we have a slack where we talk to each other that uh, Dusty Baker will be the AL coach manager for the All-Star game in Los Angeles. So that's fun. <laughs> Speaking of more more fun, um, and the source source for uh, Dusty Baker was ESPN, and then our source for this, this uh, section is uh, Bleacher Report. Um, Chris Bryant loses his grievance against the Cubs. On Wednesday, an arbiter... Arbitrator, excuse me, uh, arbiter is a little bit more appropriate, but an arbitrator ruled against Cubs third baseman slash outfielder Chris Bryant, also World Series champion and one-time MVP, right? 
uh, in the service time grievance that he filed against the Cubs. Bryant fil- filed his grievance in December 2015, alleging that the Cubs intentionally manipulated his service time to delay his free agency one year. Bryant's grievance stems from the Cubs' decision in 2015 to have him open the season in AAA. The team recalled him to the big leagues April 17th, nine games into the regular season. He thus accrued 171 days of service time as a rookie, one day short of a full year under official MLB rules. So what that means is because of that one day, they were then allowed to keep him for an entire season, like an, uh, an entire another season under a rookie contract, um, which he's making so much less money off of that. They also, at the time, um, uh, they, they've done this many, many players have suffered through this. Um, and, they did this to Vladimir Guerrero. They're doing this all the time. And like the MLB social media is like in on it. Um, and essentially they said that Chris Bryant needed a couple more reps at third base. Like he needed in, I mean, he's on record saying like what you need me to, to field like five more ground balls and then I can go up. And like, also I remember there was like a, an Adidas ad around Wrigley field that said like worth the weight. And like, everybody's like in on it in this like really creepy way that is, is really disgusting and really anti-labor. And, um, it really bums me out. It really bums me out that, that, that this is just being done out in the open and like everybody's on board with it. Um, the decision gives the Cubs two more years of control over Bryant, meaning he won't be a free agent until after the 2021 season. So that means he's still on a rookie contract. He's already won an MVP. He's already won a World Series championship for a team that didn't have one for 108 years. And Brett wants to know what message does this ruling send to players? I mean, to me, it sends the the ruling that like, yeah, good luck. Have fun. Because we, we run the show. And I just think it's nuts to have this come out like a week after or two weeks after the MLB uh, being like, well, we can't punish these guys for cheating, even though they openly admitted to doing it. And we can't punish them because they wouldn't have told us that they were doing it, even though we knew they were doing it. Um, and they're not going to get in any amount of trouble and they shouldn't have to deal with any consequences. But then this guy who for all intents and purposes, seems like a pretty stand up guy, uh, in, in the, in the world, you know, I don't really know. I've never met the guy. Um, but I am so mad at the Cubs and I can say that about this guy. So take that however you want. Um, and he was one of the most anticipated rookies in, in 2015, 2014, when he came up and to do this to somebody who spent their whole life to work for you and then take two years of their life for one day, just because you can, um, it's, uh, it reminds me of the song Jolene. <laughs> I've been listening to Dolly Parton's America and I might highly recommend it to you all because it's actually a really wonderful, I, I recommend that you really listen to it because there's some really powerful stuff in there um, that is uh, very needed, I think, right now. And I appreciate it a lot. But like, just because you can, you do it just because you can, you know? Doesn't make it right. I, and... Uh, Bench coach Brett also wants to know what the likelihood of Chicago trading Bryant before he hits free agency. I mean, I, I don't, I think they do probably. I think 
this year gets ridden out because of uh, Ross being the manager again, and I think they want they want that glimmer of 2016 going into 2020. Um, I think these teams are as much into branding as they are data, and uh, I think you keep Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, uh, Cont- Contreras, and you've got Grandpa Ross at the helm, and everybody's back to 2016 again. And it's an election year again, and everybody just gets to watch the the Cubs go for it. You know, that's what it feels like to me. And then, regardless of how it happens, they clean house and make some cash and keep going. That's my dog, if you can hear that. Um, and then we've got a uh, a a big a pretty big trade. Um, the Diamondbacks trade for Starling Marte, and the source on this one is Fangraphs. On Monday, the Diamondbacks traded two minor league prospects, Brennan Malone and Leover Piguero, to the Pirates for outfield Starling Marte. Also, just want to take a moment to say, I think the Pirates are going to be fun to watch this year. Brian Reynolds was very good. I would love to see him hit as well as he did last year, and he's my ultimate sleeper in fantasy baseball. So if you need a hitter in fantasy baseball and you he's still avail- available in late rounds, pick that guy up. Also, if he's a free agent, because he probably will be. Uh, Marte is a two-time gold glove winner coming off a strong season at the plate, one in which he slashed 295, 342, and 503 with 23 homers and 25 steals in 31 attempts. His slugging percentage and home run total both set career highs. The Diamondbacks won 85 games last year despite getting very little production from their outfielders besides MVP candidate Cattell Marte, no relation to Starlink. That's funny, Brett. I like it. Well, oh, I was like joking. In my mind, they had the same first name. Okay, anyway, no relation. (laughs) Wow. In real time, I just really messed up that whole joke. And it's not a joke. Uh, Who was moved from second base to outfield at the start of the season after the team's outfield core was depleted by injuries. Cattell Marte himself was shut down near the end of 2019 season due to a stress reaction in his back, which the Diamondbacks attributed to the volume of work he put in as an outfielder. This move thus gives the Diamondbacks the full-time center fielder it lacked in 2019 and allows them to protect their best player from overuse by returning him to second base. What do I think of the Diamondbacks' prospects in the NL West 2020? Does the Marte trade move the needle for them at all? I think it does because I think it makes them look like they're trying. They they picked up uh, Madison Bumgarner, and now they've got Marte. I think a big problem for the Diamondbacks remains, though, that they are a somewhat depleted team and that they have difficult with difficulty with splits because of their, their stadium. And they also are in the same division as the Dodgers who will probably have another great season ending in sadness as they, they are wont to do. But I do think that picking up, I, I think that Starling Marte is a great player and a great hitter who is just on a team that's been tanking for a long time. Um, and I hate to say that about the pirates cause they have like a big fan base, but like, they just haven't they haven't been in it for since 2015. So, uh I it which is sad, you know, but um I'm happy for Starling Marte and I think that I I wouldn't count them out. I would not, you know, it's probably going to be Dodgers, Diamondbacks, uh Giants, Rockies this year, you know. So, I don't know. We'll see. Curious to see how those those two big moves. I mean, they're making moves is the thing. They're picking people up. The 
White Sox, the Twins, and then there was somebody, another team that came to me that I was like, nobody's talking about this, and now I already forgot. So this is why nobody's talking about them, because I can't even remember who they are. Um, and then our final, our final little story of the last two weeks of baseball um, is just like a quick shout out to the internet sluice that broke the Astros sign-stealing scandal. The source is ESPN. One of the main reasons that the Astros sign-stealing scandal became as big of a story as it did after, and this is a big, this is a big parenthesis here that people seem to be for conveniently forgetting right now, which is after years of rumors and conjectures about sign-stealing, and I might add, a lot of smug dismissal from the Astros organization itself. Players, A.J. Hinch, front office, a lot of smug dismissal that now when when the tape gets pulled and you watch it, you go, wow, that was pretty impressive. Some impressive smugness, you know, going on with this team. Um, and also, I just want to say, I don't know that I said this on the last episode, forgive me if I did, but like, I'm really curious to see, I think somebody asked me about it, but like, they're they're gonna get they're gonna get an earful this season from fans and like I know that uh, a bunch of Dodger fans have bought tickets to the Anaheim opener because uh, the Astros are the visiting team, so that's gonna be pretty wild and it will be wild to see if the MLB reports on it at all, you know, because um, they have not if if you have the at bat app which I I do and I I check it every now and then I was getting notifications all the time and I was like this is the most annoying shit. And I get notifications in season, but out of season, it's so bad. Um, it's just like the most made up shit that who cares? Um, but I would go in there and like, they are literally, they do not say a word about it because they're run by the owners because the, the, the MLB is a media company and the media company is run by the baseball owners. So anyway, Pretty, pretty wild. So it makes sense that the only way that this would have been caught is by people on the internet. And this brings us all the way back around to the beginning of the show where like, yeah, the internet is a tool, but for the most part, if you're not using it as a literal tool, um, which is what I'm trying to do lately, uh, only really for promotion and not spend too much time on there. Um, if you're using it for a tool, it works pretty great. But if it's being used on you. It's not, not good. Um, and you can just watch, but like if you spend, like I, I spend most of my time not on the internet now and I go back and like, it looks bonkers. You see people like losing their shit and, the, and tweeting like incessantly. And I'm like, wow, that used to be me. And I'm grateful that it's not me anymore. And I hope that everybody can, um, take a step back and take their lives back a little bit more. And, um, yeah, it's 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 bonkers. But back to the internet. Um <clears throat> uh so the reason that it became as big of a story as it did is because of the research and data mining done by several internet sleuths and baseball journalists. Interesting how data itself got turned back on the data farm of the Astros organization who were able to recreate the logistics and effects of the scandal in a way that made it impossible to deny it all started with Twitter user at John boy, which I'm sure all of you guys have already gotten into real name, Jimmy O'Brien and his series of tweets that used video footage also known as his, um, Oh, breakdowns, um, and voiceover to demonstrate how the Astros would bang on a trash can in the dugout to signal to a batter in the case of the video, Evan Gaddis to indicate 
that a changeup was on the way versus a fastball. Now, this is a good time to say and remind everybody that they would bang on the trash can for a changeup and there would be no bang for a fastball. So just remember that. His simple breakdown of the Astros method became one of the most widely shared and easily understood pieces of evidence in the growing case against the team. And just this past week, an Astros fan, self-described Astros fan, named Tony Adams at Adams underscore at, published his research on the extent of the cheating scandal at signstealingscandal.com. Adams watched every available home pitch to a Houston batter in the 2017 season and logged every trash can bang. Remember, every trash can bang. Now, this is impressive work. So don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to uh, delegitimize what this person did. Um, But if you're logging every trash can bang, you are not logging the sign steal, which is no bang. Because no bang itself within the context of the sign-stealing code that they had, was in fact a tell. So if you're not logging that, then you're not getting the full breadth of the data. Uh, Adams ended up analyzing 8,200 total pitches and identified trash can banging on 1,100 of them, 13.4%. He also notes that the MLB commissioner's report found that the Astros used clapping, whistling, and yelling to indicate pitches, but he was not able to identify those methods from the video footage. And just to note right here, John Boy does have some breakdowns of of said other methods. Um, so if you missed out on those, like you can find, I'm sure they're collated somewhere that you could find all of those, but it's really fascinating. And there was also um, yelling specifically was yelling the batter's name, like their first name um, to indicate certain pitches. So the per- percentage of pitches affected is probably higher than even the 13.4% that Adams identified. Also, if you get into his like data, he breaks it down by player and everything. And like, and these numbers seem small and you might go like, Oh, that's nothing, but it's really not. And it's an unfair advantage that begins to affect the way you play the game all the time. And, um, it's, it's a lot bigger than we think. And also the whole thing is pretty insidious because there was also something that only if you are on baseball Twitter, which is kind of the only baseball Twitter that I, or the only Twitter that I really interact with with any regularity. And my Twitter is completely skewed towards it because I, in my, like, you know, the news that I want or whatever section, um, I I have like Houston Astros tweets because of this thing. And like, I don't want to see those tweets, but it's telling me that because I interacted with enough of the scandal stuff. And I guess, say the word Astros on Twitter enough times that they think I want to see that. But um, there was also like this thing that came up over the weekend where essentially some Twitter guy- user was trying to f- frame Mike fires. And uh, it was pretty disgusting and wild. And like, also just a good reminder to like, not jump into things on the internet. Cause you don't know what they're going to be. Um, and like, I don't have any, it- it's just wild to like actually pause and watch it happen and go like, oh yeah, I don't have to participate in this. And it's not because I don't care or because this isn't a terrible thing if it's real. It's because I don't know. And I don't need to be the arbiter of what is real. I am i can't be. I don't know what's real. So like, just, just be mindful. I mean, I've been listening to more podcasts again because it's long form and typically researched. Um, I've listened to some podcasts 
that I didn't want to listen to and got a lot out of those. I've listened to the Dolly one, got a lot out of that, really wanted to listen to it. Um, I also listen to the Daily occasionally. I'm not a huge New York Times like fan or anything, but it's been a podcast that like if I want to know about something, I can I can get enough information to understand what it is. And I also recommend um just just because like this is the year that it is, you know, I mentioned in regards to the Cubs that, you know, trying to rebrand as 2016 again, it is 2020 and we do have a big thing happening in this country this year. And I kind of want to stay out of it. Uh, My grandmother was very like in a sort of stoic way, supportive of voting and was like, you better vote because you couldn't always vote and you better vote. And I was like, all right. So she emphasized voting and it was a big deal, but you know, I always wondered why she didn't, we didn't have yard signs or, whatever. And, and, you know, like I asked her about it once, um, cause I grew up in her house and she was like, it's my right to, to not tell anybody who I'm voting for. And so I'm going to take that right. And, you know, I used to think that was a cop out or like not good enough or something. And, you know, I listened to this Dolly's America thing and, you know, the thing is like, it is, you know, like it, it, not everybody needs to be yelling at each other all the time. In fact, it'd be better if we weren't. And so, I just, uh, there's an episode of the daily that I think everybody should listen to. Cause I think it's a good reminder that we don't know shit. Um, there's one called like the, the single issue that might determine the election basically. Um, and I think it's worthwhile. It's a worthwhile listen to open, to listen with open ears and with open understanding and take some time with, and just think about that's it. That's all I have to say about it. Just like listen to it. And, um, be kind to each other, you know, listen to that thing. And then, and then remember that it's, uh, there's a lot more to it than we know and that we'll ever know. And we can't know any of it. And it's all what it is, you know, it's all what it's going to be and it's all what it is. So just take care of yourself, take care of other people, be kind, do the right thing. I didn't let some people over in traffic today and I feel kind of bad about it. So instead of being in self-pity, I'm going to make sure I'm a a friendlier driver and uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to set my intentions with this neighbor and just ask kindly to, if you could not leave stuff by that door, I'd really appreciate it. You know, I think that's, that's a fine thing to say to somebody. So if you could not leave stuff by this door, I'd really appreciate it. You know, (laughs) I'll try not to leave my stuff in front of your door. Um, please tell a friend about this podcast. If you like it, um, there's going to be a lot of baseball stuff happening this year, uh, specifically with women's baseball. And, uh, I'd love to, uh, stay in the discourse if you will, and be part of it. Um, so if you like this show and you like what I'm about, um, I've got some guests in the hopper coming up. Once we get everything figured out, let me know what your Patreon needs are. Um, keep coming to those lives. Like I said, we're going to do this one on Thursday this week and, uh, yeah, rate review, subscribe, go to our store. You can get stuff on T public. Uh, always good to see folks in their three swings gear. It helps the show. And as always, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. 
For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.